Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. But tonight, obviously, we're going to take what you hopefully have written down on paper, and we're going to do something with it, okay? Um, it helps if you know exactly what you're spending. I know years ago, uh, we had had, 1986, had had a financial crisis here in the church. Um, it didn't last, it was just a couple of months long, but there wasn't enough money to go around. But what we did, what Pastor and I did, you know, we made the decision that all the bills of the church got paid, the associate pastor got paid, and if there was anything left, we got paid. And there wasn't much for six weeks. In the middle of all that, I had to have some surgery. At the time, we had no insurance. And so we were going, okay, Lord. And I sat down one day and put everything on paper that we owed during that time and didn't really like what I saw. But it was a good thing because it set me on a path, you know, that that made me get to the point that we were going to get rid of some of that debt and things and rearrange some things. And God was really good. In fact, it was about that just a year or so later that God dealt with me. We didn't have that many credit cards, but, but just a little while later, you know, I took a look at everything that we owed and God began dealing with me about getting out of any, all credit card debt, period. And it, uh, I mean, that took some sacrifice for the next two years. If we couldn't pay for it with cash, we didn't buy it. And over that two years, we got all the credit cards paid completely off. And since that day, I've not paid a penny of interest on any credit card. Not a penny. But, but that takes some real work to do that. It has to take a plan, and you need to stick to it. So if you didn't hear last week's you know, introduction to this whole money management thing, you do need to get that so you know where we're coming from. Because last week, we did talk about a lot of things that uh, your money habits and the way you manage your money, what they say about you. You may not think it speaks real loudly, but it does. It speaks extremely loudly about every aspect of your life, character, integrity, and all of that. But anyway, tonight we're going to go on to budgets. Now, is a budget like one of those kind of words to anybody? You know, a lot of people go, budget, you know, it's kind of like the, you know, the vampire stakes, get it out. But a budget is nothing more than a plan. That's all it is. It's a plan where you sit down, take a good long look at your income and your outgo, you put it on paper, and you make plans ahead of you getting that money in your hand of how you're going to spend that money when you get it. If you don't plan how you're going to spend that that income, if you don't make plans on how you're going to spend your salary when you get it, that money can just go all kind of places except where it needs to go. And so the, the point is, is to put the money where it needs to go, okay? That way your financially, financial integrity stays intact. But there's some real biblical background for this. Over in Proverbs 29, 18, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now that word vision can also mean plan. Where there is no plan, the people perish. And I think one translation, it says, the people run amok. Are your finances running amok? Well, we don't want it to run amok, so we're going to have a plan. Over in Habakkuk 2, 2, it says, write the vision and make it plain. 
Put it upon tablets so that he may run who reads it. You need to take your financial plan, put it on paper so that at any point you can pull that thing out and know exactly where you are financially speaking. I keep a little mini version of my budget stuck in the back of the checkbook. And since the checkbook is always with me 99% of the time, I always have it. I can always refer to it, always see, you know, where we're at, what's going on, you know, and I've got it so that it's just easy week by week. Because we do weekly paychecks around here, it's, it's real easy. Just got it broken down into, into different weeks. You know, this is what's paid here, 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 and it's all, it's all 100% of it. It's got a place to go. There's a plan for it before I get it. In fact, it's such a nice plan that most of the time I sit down before I ever even write the paychecks or before I even put it in the bank, and the bills are ready and waiting to be paid as soon as the bank gets the money. Now, just a word of wisdom, never write your checks out and mail them before you get to the bank. Now you think, well, that's crazy. I mean, I, I, you know, I know I'm getting paid. I'm, pay- I'm on my way to the bank. Well, you know, something could happen. You could lose that check. Somebody could rob you. You could have an accident and the, and the, and the payroll check go flying out the window. Who knows? You got a little kid in the car who has kids. Mommy, what's this? And the window is down and there it goes flying out the, out the door, you know. Crazy things could happen. So do not mail the bills until the money is in the bank, Okay. It's just wisdom, real wisdom. If you've ever had that happen or anything crazy happen, like I was on my way to the bank and I got sidetracked, I got distracted, I forgot, here it is. Oh, my Lord, I've already mailed the car payment. Can I get to the bank in time before the car payment gets to where it's going? Don't do that. You wait to mail the bills until the money and the receipt for the, for the uh, deposit is in your hand. Got that? Well, anyway... A budget is, like I said, is a plan of how you're going to spend your money before you get it. You're spending on paper and on purpose when you make a plan, when you make a budget. You're literally taking control of your money. Have you ever felt like your bills have you cornered? You know, you're always on the defensive with it. Well, this gives you an opportunity to take control of your spending and have where your money goes and what it's going to do. Planning precedes prosperity. I said last week, no amount of faith can make up for poor money management. I mean, there are people who love God and they believe in prosperity, but they do not know how to manage a dollar. They sure don't know how to manage $10 or $100. You know, it's just, it's just never going to work. Prosperity is never going to work for the person who will not manage what God has given them. He, he, he can't bless that. God said last week, God is not an enabler. If you're making a mess with your finances, there's no reason for him to give you more financial blessing until you learn to manage what you have. You know, that's just the principle of being a good steward of whatever God has given you. You learn to take care of what he's given you now, and he will add to that as he sees your faithfulness in those areas, as he sees your determination, and your willingness to obey him and how you do those things. You know, there's so many things we're going to get into, but obviously the first thing you have to do if you're going to make a budget is to find out what you got coming in, what you got going out. The purpose of last week's sheet. Now then, the next thing is, is to, um, actually, I probably should have said the very first thing you do is make a decision. If you're not going to make a decision to stick with a the budget, there's no point in wasting your time trying to make one. 
But if you're going to make one, you need to make a decision up front that whatever it turns out to be, and you might be surprised what this turns out to be, whatever it is and whatever you have to do to live within your means, we want to get to the place where we're spending less than we're bringing in. Your outgo must be less than what your income is. The old adage is, is still true. When your outgo exceeds your input, then your upkeep becomes your downfall. It's just the way it is. You know, you, you can't, and I tell you what people do. When their income is not sufficient to meet their outgo, it's usually pull out the credit card time. And that's how come people are so far in debt on credit cards. Credit cards can be a good thing if they're managed and, and make them work for you, not you work for them. You know, I don't recommend having more than one credit card, two max. I, I love my American Express, but not every place takes it, so that's the only reason I have a second card, which is a MasterCard. And I only pull the MasterCard out if they won't take my American Express. So get rid of credit cards. I mean, pare it down to one if possible. Not more than two. We'll talk about credit cards probably in depth the next week. But anyway, uh, make a decision. You're going to stick to it, and you stick to it. Get your income and your outgo. Make adjustments that are necessary to what your net spendable income is. Review the plan often. Keep up with your expenditures, and then make changes to your budget as they're needed. Now, what I'm going to do is have somebody pass out this sheet. Now, it's double-sided. I want you to just keep the blank side for the moment, and this is called Budget Percentage Guidelines. So Robert, here's you some, and here you go, Ryan. Did you know that there are guidelines for how much you should be spending of your income on each individual category? We're gonna show you what they are tonight. Now I've gone to a couple of different websites and I do recommend Dave Ramsey and also a, a group called Crown Financial which is Larry Burkett's organization. They, they have got, Larry Burkett's organization has got a wealth of information on the internet that you can just download and go through. And Dave Ramsey's, most of his stuff is uh, things you have to pay for. And though I like, you know, Dave Ramsey, he can be a little extreme in some things, but there are some people who need some extreme measures to get their finances back in line. So for that purpose, you know, I would send you to either one of those two places. So if you take one of those per household, please. And with the guidelines I'm going to give you tonight are actually um, something that should be in place for anybody making $130,000 a year and under. They would change somewhat if you were making more than that. So uh, I think we'll, they will cover most everybody with that figure tonight. So if you're making under 130, these guidelines, these percentages are good for you. Let's wait till everybody gets them, then we'll go over them. You need to, we need to find out how we can establish what your net spendable income is right off the top. Now, how do you determine what your net spendable income is? Your net spendable income, you can do it on, on an annual basis, is how much do you make in a year? Okay. Got that kind of figure in your mind. Now, I'm just talking about money you can count on. Um, 
if there's bonuses involved at some point during the year, I probably wouldn't count on those. We'll count that as surplus income. But what you know you're going to be taking home every single week and what you're going to get at the end of the year, you know, based on what your regular weekly paycheck or monthly paycheck, whatever it is, that's where we're going to start. Then you deduct out of that your tithe. If you're not going to tithe, you might as well go on home now. I'm serious. Because that's where we start. If you're going to manage your money and do it God's way, you're going to have to put God first. And if you're not going to put God's first, then you're on your own. So, you know, if anybody leaves right now, I'll know why. (laughs) Anyway, take your annual salary and deduct out of that what your income. Probably you start with your annual, your yearly salary, but just for practical purposes, let's go down and make it and divide it by 12 so we can do it on a monthly basis and make it find out what our gross income is per month, deduct out of that your tithe, and then deduct out of that your taxes. Taxes are not something you have a choice on. And taxes will only vary according to how much, how many dependents you have in your household, um, how many deductions you have, your itemized deductions, that kind of thing. But as a standard rule of thumb, we're going to go with 21%. So after you go home, you can get on the internet, you can go to irs.gov, or you can look at last year's income taxes and kind of figure out how much of your income went toward your taxes. I'm not talking just income tax, I'm talking also your combination of income tax plus your Social Security. As an employee anywhere, you pay, you're deducted from your salary, 7.65% of your income goes to Social Security. Your employer will match that with 7.65%. If you're self-employed, you're going to pay the full 15.3%. Now, the government gives you this tiny little old break you know, that's ridiculous, you know, when you're self-employed. And it's not a whole lot, is it, Brad? No. It's like, well, thank you for that little crumb. You know, if you're self-employed, you're, you're paying a, a bigger chunk. So, but anyway, you can look, go back and look at your W-2 for last year, and you can figure out what percent of your income, you know, went to your taxes. So put that down. And um, deduct that. So now, once we've got your monthly gross income, You've deducted your tithe, you've deducted your taxes, now what we have left is net spendable income. This is what we have to work with to live on. Number one, housing should be no more than 38%. Okay? That says gross, and I really should, should honestly have made that that change. That should be of what your net spendable income is, not of your gross income, okay? But 38% of what you've, ta- what you've got left after tithe and tax is really what you should be spending on housing. Housing will include your mortgage or rent. It'll include your taxes, your property taxes, your insurance on your home. It'll include your utilities and some maintenance, So your housing costs should stay at 38% or less of your net spendable income, okay? Next, food costs. I think this is, you know, depending on your family. We're basing this on a family of four. But uh, food costs should be no more than 12% of that net spendable income. You got some big eaters? Put them on a diet. There are ways you can cut your food budget. There are. You know, we'll, we'll talk about a little bit of those in a little minute. 
Next, your auto cost. Now this includes gas, your weekly fuel. It includes your auto insurance, as well as any car payments. All this together, and some, and some you know, the, just the regular routine maintenance should come up to no more than 15% of your net spendable income. I'm sorry that says gross, it's throwing me off. It's gross, gross is gross. So auto, auto expenses, 15%, no more than 15%. Insurance, now when I say insurance, I'm talking about life insurance and medical insurance. You know, su suppose your employer doesn't pay all of your insurance. You know, maybe they pay part of it. Well, your part of it between that and your life insurance should exceed no more than 5% of your net spendable income. Debts, which are credit cards, consumer loans, those kind of things. Things that, n not your house, not your auto, but any other kind of debt should have no more than 5% of your net spendable income going to that. I'm getting this right off Larry Burkett's website. This is, this is the things they've established. Entertainment and recreation, 5%. I think that's kind of high. Can you believe that? 5%. That's what they want you to leave that in the realm of 5%. No more than 5%. That means, pastor, no more eating out as much as we do. How about that? It means I have to cook. <laughs> clothing. Okay, listen up, ladies. Clothing. No more than 5% of your net spendable income. And that's not a day. That's not a day. No. No, it's not. <laughs> Savings. We should all be looking to get to a place where we're saving at least 5% of our net spendable income. Now, ideally, if we really did what we ought to do, we would take savings right up there above the net spendable income and we would give God 10%, the government their part, and ourselves 10%. That's a wonderful goal to try to get to. But for the moment, you need to be saving something. I don't care how young you are. The younger you are, the better off you are. You can find something to put it in, and you can have that many more years for it to grow into something really, really substantial. Um, so five, let's, let's say 5% goes to some kind of savings. Because really, they say that you should be able to live. You should, if something were to happen, and you were to, say, lose your job or something, you really should have in savings like two months' worth of your salary so that you've got time to go locate another job without feeling the, the pressure of living paycheck to paycheck like you're going to go under during the time it takes you to find another job. So savings, medical. Now, this also includes dental, would include prescriptions, you know, that kind of thing. Um, 5% is what they're giving you on that. So maybe you have to pay your dental insurance at work. You know, that would fall, could fall right there. Or it could fall under, under insurance. You know, you can kind of play with that a little bit. Then there's miscellaneous. Now, what do I mean by miscellaneous? Oh, there's all kinds of things that fall under miscellaneous. Haircuts. Toiletries, you know, pantyhose, you know, makeup, all these things, they're all miscellaneous. And you can come up with thousands of miscellaneous things, you know, but really you should try to keep those things within 5% of your net spendable income, okay? So you add all that up, 38% for housing, 12% for food, 
Autos at expenses are at 15%. Then insurance, debts, entertainment, clothing, savings, medical, and miscellaneous are all 5% each. You add all that, that takes 100% of your net spendable income. If you turn it over, you'll see that on the back side there, we have an example of that of somebody who made $60,000 a year. And if you made $60,000 a year, that means your monthly income is $5,000. Well, 10% of 5,000, 500 for taxes. We're going to estimate 21%. That's uh, $1,050. Can you believe that? The government gets twice as much as God does in this budget. Ridiculous. And for some, it'll be more, you know. It's crazy. But anyway, this person that's making $60,000 with a family of four to support has a net spendable income each month of $3,450. That means they've got... $1,311 spent on housing costs. Woo! That doesn't really sound like a whole lot, does it? Not with some of today's mortgages. Food comes in at $414 a month. I can go to the grocery store to pick up two or three things these days, you know, and walk out having spent 30 bucks, you know, and, and my cupboards most of the time stay fairly bare. So with a family of four, you're going to have to be creative when it comes to food. Auto. You got a grand total of the person who make it, somebody making sixty thousand, a household making sixty thousand dollars a year, is going to only be able to spend five hundred and seventeen dollars and fifty cents on automobile expenses. Insurance, they can spend one hundred and seventy-two fifty. Now, some of you may have have employers who pay all of your your medical insurance. That's wonderful. You know, but you do need to get some life insurance. One of the things I did want to say about life insurance is, you know, when you go down and you buy anything, they're always wanting to sell you some kind of credit life. It's a bad deal. It's a really, really bad deal. Do not get credit life insurance on anything. You are better off to go down to a good, reputable, independent insurance agent and buy you some term life insurance that will cover all your debts. Because obviously they're banking, somebody who wants to sell you credit life, they're banking on the fact that you're going to outlive the loan. You know, so you've wasted all that money. Okay? And they want you to die to be able to get it, and you've got to go through hell and high water to get them to agree to the fact that you're dead, you know, to even pay off. But if you go out and get you some term life insurance, number one, term is very inexpensive, but make sure it's high enough to cover whatever debts you might leave behind. And if you're, if you're young and if you've got a young family, you need to get some term insurance. Don't maybe, maybe oh, you know, like an annuity or something, maybe you don't want to do that, that's fine. But term life insurance for a young person is extremely affordable, extremely affordable. I was just in Lowe's yesterday buying something, and they had a little box sitting on the counter at the register, and they were taking donations for a young man that worked, had worked for them that had just passed away. And I said, well, you know, what happened? He said he was 22 years old with a two-year-old baby and one more on the way, and he died of a heart, some kind of heart failure. He had no insurance. You know, those are the kind of things. I mean, he's left his wife with, with nothing. And now she, you know, is going to have to raise two children with nothing to fall back on. Who knows what kind of bills they had. You know, that's a tough situation. When term life insurance is so cheap, get you some term life insurance. Later on down the line, as you've prospered some more, you can take that, life ins that term life insurance most of the time and turn it into something like a whole life or an annuity or some kind of something that's an investment for retirement age. But if you s just start now, 
get some term life insurance. Just keeping your family, you know, safe and protected. You know, I was telling Pastor Greg, uh, Amy had uh, a little bit of an excitement last week when she was flying. She had a, a gauge that went haywire, so they had to set down an emergency landing. Had to let the tower at the airport know that they had a problem, and and uh, they had the oh man, it was really exciting day because they had the fire trucks and everybody waiting on them as they landed. And sure enough, there really was something wrong. But uh, I said, you know, you need to have a lot more insurance on her than you do on you. And he looked at me and I said, you're not going to be able to place a woman who takes care of three kids very easy. So, you know, mothers are as, as important as fathers. He might be the main breadwinner, but listen, if something were to happen to my daughter-in-law, I can't tell you how much money my son would be spending for somebody to help him take care of his children if he had no wife. You know, so you have to look at it in those terms, and it's not just the man of the house, but it's the, it's the, the mom as well because, I mean, that, that can really put a financial strain on a, on a man who's, you know, got children to raise and he's got to work, and what's he going to do? You know, so think about that. Um, where was I? Okay, uh, debts, credit cards are the biggest thing that's under debts. You know, we're going to talk about those next week. Uh, Again, entertainment, clothing, savings, medical, miscellaneous, all those have got 5% apiece. And for this household of $60,000 a year, they're, they're allotted $172.50 per month for those categories. Well, some of them seem a little high and some of them seem a little low to me. Now, if you have to add child care into that, which we see down here on number 13, I think the Larry Burkett site had estimated about 8%. For child care, I don't. I'm not sure you can get child care for about eight percent, you know. But if you've got child care, that whatever that money, that child care money is, has to come out of one of these other places. So, with that in mind, you need to go home and take a look at what your income is, and then go back and run the percentages. Then the next thing you need to do is the next set of papers. This is called a budget analysis. The copier was running hot and heavy today. Now we're going to find out where the rubber meets the road on these things. What's child care running these days? Anybody can tell me? Laura, you've got Camden. He's, what, three years old, so he's at EC. $440 a month for child care. And, and that's cheap? Oh, thank God I don't have little ones. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, if you had a little one, like, a, I mean, don't infants cost more? $35 a day. That's cheap. $35 a day, what does that work out to a week? That means 140 100 about $175 a week. Whoa. You know, I can see where somebody who has two, maybe three children, it's cheaper for them to stay home than to go to work. I mean, really, when you think about the gas it takes to go back and forth to a job after you've paid ch child care and all the other expenses of buying clothes to work and that kind of stuff, you're, pay you know, you're better off to stay home you know, and take care of them that way. 
Has everybody got these? We're going to have extras left over, and so we're there's, if you need any of these forms, we'll put the extras in the bookstore. You can go by there at any time and just pick them up. We'll just lay them all out. Okay, your budget analysis. Let's take a look at this. We've got all the same categories listed. That first column says existing budget. Well, let's take the word budget out. Put what you're spending currently there. You're not really maybe on a budget, so I just kind of gave you the benefit of the doubt there. What you're spending, okay? Put that in the first column. The second column, use the sheet that we just got through with and put in there what you should be spending in that, in that next column under monthly guideline budget. Go back, run your percentages, fill in your numbers. Now, the third column, okay, what's the difference between what you are spending and what you should be spending? Is it a plus or is it a minus? Do you have money left over or are you in the hole in that category? And then, you're going to have to do something about that. You have to make some decisions. How am I going to change this so that I come within the budget guidelines? You know, and you make your new budget. Now, like I said, for some of you, you know, maybe you're not going to spend 5% a month on clothing. Maybe you'd rather put that over in uh, automobiles. Or maybe you need to put that in your housing expense. Uh, that kind of thing. Cl entertainment. Listen, guys, you know, we're in an entertainment-driven society. But, you know, a book is a good thing. Instead of going out, get a good book. I remember uh, Stephen and Rachel, after uh, Paul was born, and Rachel wasn't working yet, and, and uh, Stephen, you know, was in real estate, and there wasn't much going on in real estate, you know, and they got rid of everything they could get rid of. There was no cable, no satellite, you know, they didn't go out, they didn't rent movies. He said, it's amazing how many good books there are out there. Got caught up on a lot of wonderful things, you know. Got Brother Hagen's got all these books, and there's just a lot of good, there's a lot of good reading material out there. And besides that, you can spend a lot of quality time with a spouse that way. Of course, you might wind up with a second dependent. Who knows? <laughs> might have been better to go out. <laughs> ah. I just love Wednesday nights. <laughs> But, but this, is, this, is, this is your big thing here, your budget analysis. I mean, you've got to get to a place where you know what you've got to do to make it work, what you've got coming in versus what you, what's going out so that you're not making new debts. You cannot keep extending yourself past what you're bringing in. The house of cards will fall shortly if you don't do something about it. And, and I'm telling you, if the Lord's been talking to you, about doing that. There's a good reason for that. He wants you to get things in line. You never know. I mean, years when I told you about the fact that, that God had really been dealing with me about getting all the credit cards and things taken care of, it took us those two, three years to, to get those done. And uh, in the meantime, um, I think we had we'd gotten a a car for Steve for graduation. And so we, our deal with him was that we're getting the car. It's in our name. You pay half the payment. We pay half the payment. 
And uh, so we had that for a while. But I tell you what, a little while down the road, you know, those kind of things, you, you work on them, and, and it was good for him. He, he appreciated something he had to pay for a whole lot more. But as we got further down the road, you know, things came up, you know, emergency-type things that we would not have been able to handle had we had all this other debt going on. And so I just, you know, I said, well, Lord, that's, that's wonderful. I mean, he got us prepared for that emergency situation years in advance of it. If God's talking to you about getting out of debt, there's a good reason for it. Number one, he wants you to get things under, under control. Do you know that your money is a good place for you to exercise disciplining your flesh? And it will spill over into other areas. When, if you get a hold of your money in such a way that you have it under control the way it should be, that same discipline will bleed over into other areas. And, and, and it'll, it'll be amazing what God will be able to take you to, show you things that will just start realigning themselves. I mean, you may find out down the road that maybe your, the job situation has changed. Okay, great. I don't have all this debt hanging over my head. Or a medical situation arise. Great. I don't have all this, med- this, this stuff hanging over my head. A family situation arise that, that needs your attention. Great. I don't have all this, this debt hanging over my head. That's the point of it. You need to be so in control of your finances that should something come up, you know that you're not in such a place that you're in such a hole that you don't know how you're ever going to make this happen. I mean, in the middle of all this, you're going to believe God, but it's a whole lot easier to believe God when you've taken your money and you've managed it to a point that you know that, that you don't have all this other stuff hanging over your head while you're believing God for this particular thing, okay? And um, so anyway, that's what your budget analysis is for. Next is your income allocation. Guys, join me at the front. (laughs) Whoops. Almost got it. Once you've got your new monthly budget established, then you need to take this sheet, which is called an income allocation. Now, we've just made four columns here so that anybody who gets paid under on any kind of a time frame will be able to fit it into here. Because we get paid every week, I make myself a four-week budget. Well, the beauty of a four-week budget, if you get paid every week, and it works, it works for people who get paid every two weeks, it does not work for people who get paid bi-monthly or just monthly. But if you get paid once a week, that means four times a year. If you work your budget out so that you can pay all your bills in four weeks, that means four times a year you get a week to really take a huge chunk of money and put it somewhere like savings or maybe to knock off some, some debt. I mean, it's, a, it's great. If you, if you get paid every two weeks, then twice a year you'll find yourself in a month that you're going to have three paychecks. You take that third paycheck, and you can apply it then to something major you know, that you need to get paid off, or put in savings, or invest, you know, one of those three things. If you're paid once a month, you're stuck. If you're paid twice a month, you just got to go with it. But this is the way, you know, to, to take your budget, your new budget, what you're going to stick to, and say, okay, when I get paid on this day, first, first paycheck of the month, this is what's going to get paid. 
and all your categories are right here. Now you might want to take this as a model and go home and put the individual things that you need to pay, okay, like your utilities. You know, okay, this is, this is the electric bill. This is the, the phone bill. This is whatever, you know, and just make an itemized list. You just use this as a guideline. Make your own. And, uh, and okay, which week am I going to pay this in? See, I've got the church on a budget like this. I know every week what's, what's going to be paid out, out of the church finances. And so the first week of the month, or, uh, the church pays, I pay this, this bills of the churches, and, and this week we pay this, this, and this, and this, and this week we pay this, this, and this. And the last week of the month, the church money pays this, this, and this. I mean, every month the church is on the same kind of a plan as my personal finances. Of course, you know, there's a lot of variation in church income. You can't always count from week to week what it's going to be. And so if you, um, if you have that kind of a situation, say if you have a varying, varying income, then I would probably look at an average. You know, look back for your last year. Look at an average. What did you bring home every single month? What were you able to do? Don't plan your budget according to your big months. Plan it really more according to your low months. And so, so if something were to happen, you know, could, could I manage on a low month? Say, let's, we have a high month. Do I spend it all? No. You take the, whatever you made on a high month, high income month, and you take the extra, set it aside for the months that are going to be a lower income. You know, there are people who have seasonal type income. Some seasons are going to be higher than another season. Uh, I don't think we have a whole lot of that around here, but farmers in particular, people who are in agriculture, they have a lot of that. There are some months, you know, where, I mean, the, the seed's in the ground, the crops are growing, so they're putting out a lot of money, you know, and expenses, getting the crop to a certain place. Uh, but when harvest comes in, then there's all this money. Well, hopefully when all this money came in, you know, they set that aside and, and put themselves, kind of rationed it out. There's a good reason to have a bank account, good reasons to have a savings account. If you can't leave money alone, a good place to park money is a savings account so that you don't spend it going, well, I could put it back next week. You know, well, what happens if next week comes along, we have another emergency? Take that any extra and stick it over in the savings account until you need it for something. You know, don't keep spending it. Don't leave it there necessarily unless you are really, really well-structured and you are really well-disciplined not to spend it just because you want something. We live in such a consumer-driven society that it's easy to go in not intending to buy anything and walk out having spent 100 or 150 bucks. Anybody know what I mean? So, so you need to take this income allocation sheet and you need to make yourself a list of what you're going to pay out of every single pay that you bring home. You know, list it out and then stick to it. You need to keep this handy. You need to go back and review it on a regular basis and see, okay, what's changed? Um, things like electricity. You know, this is the time of year where it's very high. You can go back to your electric company and you can have them average your electric bill for the last 12 months and then ask them to put you on that plan so that you pay them the same thing every single month based on your last 12 months. Now, at some point, if you use more, you know, or the costs like fuel costs have gone up, it's going to catch up with you. You're going to wind up paying some more somewhere down the line. But if you budget it out, you know, and you can save that money and, and leave it aside for the electric bill next month, then some months it'll be lower and you'll have extra left over to go to the months that are higher. 
Now, it depends on just your style of management, but you can, you can do those kind of things. Uh, let me see. Ways to save money. Now, how can you save money when you go to the grocery store? Somebody tell me. What? Absolutely. Never go when you're hungry. At my house, the rule of thumb is do not take the husband with you because he goes, I don't, didn't know they had this. Oh, I didn't. Oh, I haven't had that in a long time. I'm going to go sit in the car. <laughs> Just go sit in the car. <laughs> but no, don't go hungry. It's, go with a list. I know in the days when times were lean around here, I sat down before I ever left home to go to the grocery store and I made a list. I made a menu plan before I ever went to the store. And, and there's many times I believe God for something major to be on sale. Plan something so that you can have leftovers, make more than one meal out of it. If it's not enough for a whole meal for your entire family for the second time around, at least it's enough maybe for one of you to take it to work so you don't have to eat out lunch. You know, that kind of thing. So make a menu plan. If you, I mean, if, if the, the uh, money we've got allocated here is like, oh, man, I can't do that on that kind of money, you're going to have to find a way. Don't go hungry. Make a menu plan. Go in there. Only buy what's on the list. Okay? Do not take children is the other thing. I was hoping somebody would get to that one. Don't take your kids with you. They want Captain Crunch, and they want Pebble cereal, and they want this, they want that. Can I have this candy? Can I have that toy? Can I have, da, 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 you know, and sometimes you shut them up, you let them buy it. Don't do that. You know, you're going in there, you're going to buy exactly what you need, and you're going to get out. Okay, so don't take the children or the husband with you. <laughs> Unless the husband is the much better shopper. Janie. Coupons. Okay, where's Christy Isom? Is she in here? She's, she's, she's teaching. Did, did you, Amy, did you start her on that? The coupon queen is back there. You know, there, there's an art to clipping coupons. If you need some help on that, see Amy. How much? You saved $150 in coupons. There are creative ways to go to the store. You spent it and she saved it. Okay. Karen. We'll be all so very happy when the new Walmart comes in down the street. So nobody has to drive to either Gainesville or Lake City to do that. You know, but, but you're right. There are, there are times when you can actually save money by driving further to go get it, but you have to go with a plan in your hand, which is the menus, which is the sale papers, which are, are the coupons, all those kind of things. So like I said, the, see the coupon queen over there. Insurance, sell your automobile insurance. Maybe you're paying a lot in automobile insurance. Shop around, get a different company maybe. Now that usually requires a good driving record to be able to get a decent price somewhere. But there are other ways you can do that. You can, you can uh, drop some, cups, some coverages. If you've got an older vehicle, maybe you don't need to put collision on there because maybe it's not even going to be worth fixing. You know, I don't know. You know, that, that happens. Uh, maybe up your deductible. Maybe it's to $1,000. Of course, now that presupposes the fact that you're going to have something in savings 
should you have an accident to cover the deductible. Same thing with medical insurance. Some people, uh, I know somebody who, who only is covered with major medical, and major medical will cover 80% of a catastrophic illness or injury. It doesn't help you on a day-to-day basis, but you know, if you need to save money, at least you have some health insurance. I can honestly say that, you know, if we hadn't had some health insurance, you know, over the past few years, we would seriously be in trouble financially. Um, you know, pastor's episode with, with, uh, with cancer would have cost, I think the, the retail price on that would have been probably close to $200,000. And that was over 10 years ago. Um, mine, when I went every day for chemo for, you know, over, over the course of six months, it was, you know, six, worth of, six weeks worth of chemo, you know, every single day was like, you know, the regular price before insurance and all was like four hundred four to $500 a day. I mean, that will wipe you out financially. So there's good reason to have health insurance. Um, it saddens me, and I, and I don't really know why, how they think that people without insurance can afford to pay the full price. If you can't afford the insurance, you can't afford the full price. When a pastor had a, a kidney stone a couple of years ago, we had lithotripsy to break the thing up. Well, just that one procedure, they charged the insurance company like $23,000. Now they only wound up paying, you know, a fraction of that because of the contract rates that they had with the insurance company. But look at wh- how much money it saved us by paying an insurance. You know, paying again. There's all kinds of places you can go for insurance. You know, some are better than others. Some cover doctors' visits. Some don't. You have prescription plans these days at individual stores like Walgreens, Walmart. You know that were, have four dollar prescriptions. I mean, go with generics. There are ways. God's got ways that we can we can wisely use our money in all of these areas. Entertainment said a while ago, stay home. You know, invite somebody over, you know, just have a nice evening of, of uh, just, you know, fellowshipping with one another. You can go to your library and rent movies. Did you know you can not rent, not rent them, but just check them out? It's zero, zero cents to go to your local library and get movies. Um, good movies, not bad ones. Uh, it, when you're, you know, you, clothing, you know, one of the best places you can go for clothing is at, the, at season's end. Last year, I went into Belks, you know, at the end of the summer, and they had these racks and racks of stuff that were marked down to like two ninety eight and three ninety eight. Well, it was almost winter, but I'm thinking, well, this is really a good thing. I mean, you could buy several little shirts and things for three bucks. They originally started out at like anywhere from twenty eight to forty dollars. So shop season ending kind of things. Um, I was talking to uh, Shana yesterday. She, there's a wonderful little consignment shop. In Alachua, some she's gotten some wonderful things that look like had never been worn. You know, there are places and things you can do with growing children. They grow out of them. You know, so you've got to replace that kind of stuff, Kenny. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I certainly wouldn't want you to come go buy something that was ratty looking. But you know, hey, you know, I I I like to. Uh, I can circle the wagons real quick in any kind of a store to see if there's anything on that rack I want. But, hey, I like it when it's already been marked down and it's been marked down and now it's another, you know, this amount of money off of the last markdown. Hey, that's great. There have been times I've gone in a store when something was first put out and said, now, Lord, I really do like that outfit. 
and I'd like for my size to stay on that rack until it's marked down. And many's the time I've gone back and it's been right there waiting on me. I walk in there and go, now, Lord, you remember that dress that I really liked, that shirt that I really liked, that pair of pants that I really liked? If it's still in the store, would you please lead me to it? I find it every time. The Holy Ghost can be your guide to what, I mean, to, to items in the grocery store, to items in the clothing store, to anything that you need, you know, some extra help on. He can be your guide. What do you think the Holy Ghost is for? Just to say, okay, my child, go out and lay hands on this person. No, he's interested in more than that. That's obviously very important, but he's interested in taking you to where you need to go and showing what you need to see and making sure you have in your hands what you need with what you've got in your pocket to spend. I believe God for parking places, good sales. You know, I, I am absolutely philosophically opposed to paying full price for anything in a retail store. You know, so, you know, just go in there with that attitude. God, lead me to the best sale price. Lead me to something that I really need. Whatever, you know, what, where is it? Where is it? You know, put your spiritual antennas up and go for it. Um, so anyway, let's see, we're, we're getting close to the end. I want to give you some time to ask some questions. Does anybody have any questions? Doug. What's number one? Number one is tithe. What about tithe? Well, the, Bible's, the Bible says, the Malachi says, will a man rob God? And he said, yet have you robbed me? And he says, in tithes and offerings. I am, I am so glad you brought that up. <laughs> if we will honor God in those areas, he will honor you in the rest of them. Amen. I've never seen God fail. He says, the Bible says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread. You know, if you will honor God, number one, we have to start with the tithe. You know, and, and when you get past that, you know, then you begin to add offerings. You know, I told you last week, you know, this is a combination of practical things. But, you know, I'm, I'm not going to stand here and tell you that there's not going to be sometimes God's not going to tell you to do something that seems like it's totally opposed to natural wisdom. But if he's telling you to do it, he will put in your pocket what you need to make up, what he's asking you to give. All right. He'll he'll provide it. Greg. Yeah, that means you're going to have to take it from somewhere else. You know, if you're going to if you're going to add missions and building fund to that, you're going to have to take it from one of these other places. And that's, you know, that's going to be between, have to be between you and God. You know, what I believe God can give you some wisdom in in those areas as well. I know there are times when your heart really wants to do, do something, but stop and check. You know, you go, now, Lord, is this, is this a good idea? Can I do this? Will you honor this if I choose? If I choose? Sometimes God will let you choose to, to give the amount. Sometimes he'll tell you an amount you need to give. Um, that's, that's just something you're going to you'll have to pray about. You know, but honestly, you, I mean, Doug's right. You know, tithing is, is the beginning, but it's not all of it. There's more. You know, but it'll have to come from somewhere. Unless, unless you do what we've done at times, I've said, and I know other people who've said the same thing, Lord, we've got X person coming, maybe this guest speaker, or maybe there's a project here. Maybe it's something extra at the building fund. Lord, you put it in my hand and I'll give it. And many, I mean, it says, ask seed of the sower. You know, and so I'm at, there's many, been many times I've asked him, Lord, you know, I, I, I need this. I want to give this, but, I, I, you know, I need, it needs to come from somewhere. And so would you provide this? And he does. So anyway, anything else? 
Yes. Yeah. No, um, you can put your phone, you can add your phone to that or you can put it under miscellaneous because so many times, you know, right, we're living in the techno age where uh, a lot of people are getting rid of their landlines. They're going to cell phones. Um, cell phones, that's, it's a good idea. There's only a couple of drawbacks, you know, to having a cell phone as your main phone without having a home phone. Number one is coverage. You know, somebody's not be able to get you all the time. And number two, 911 calls, you know, they can't, they can't locate you with a cell phone like they can with a landline. And there are the reception issues, you know. So, you know, there's, um, there's, there's a place where you can put it under housing or you can put it under miscellaneous, either one. Cell phones are a blessing. Cell phones can also be a very big expense. You need to look at your cell phone plans, and if you're, if you're having to cut back in an area, that's definitely an area you can cut back. A very basic plan with minimal minutes. You know, there's been lots of times when I was really thankful to have a cell phone. Somebody hit me from behind one time, you know, trying to get on the interstate. And, of course, I had my phone, was able to call the police, you know, as soon as it happened. I had a breakdown, called home, you know, he came and got me, you know, when we fixed the problem, that kind of thing. So there's good reason to have one these days. But, you know, we actually did get along without them 10 years ago. Somehow we're all still here, you know, so they're not an absolute necessity of life, even though they're very convenient. So those are things, you know, you can consider. Cable is not life-threatening if you don't have it. Satellite it's not going to really impair the quality of life if you don't have it. You know, there are things we can get rid of if we need to, to get our budgets where they need to be. All right? There are lots of things we can see that we can get rid of if we need to get rid of them. All right? Uh, I'm out of time. Anybody got anything else? Any questions? Any other? Oh, it usually goes with your phone bill, doesn't it? Well, some of you have, or have the ability to get it through cable. How many of you live somewhere where you can get your internet through your, your cable? You know, okay, great. Now, there are, there are some, some advantages, I think, to bundling you know, services, you know, when you're in a location that can do that. Look at the cost, you know, price shop, compare, see what makes the best sense for you, what makes the most sense, what makes the least impact on your, on your budget. Um, some of us, you know, have, have jobs. Some of you have jobs that you have to have an Internet connection. So shop around and see what you can do, you know, to, to make that, that bill come down somewhat. Um, anything else? You go home and you sit down and you look at all these and you, you start playing with the numbers. You know what? Um, if there's there minor repairs, routine maintenance, you ought to plan for, like, you know, oil changes. You know how much you drive and how often you need oil changes. You ought to be able to be able to budget that in there. Major car repairs are probably the kind of thing that you, you need to have a savings account set up. And I'm going to give you the sheets next week for this where you can take an, a one savings account and you can have in that savings account, you can keep yourself a spreadsheet so that you know that, okay, I'm allocating this for any possible future car repairs or home repairs that need doing, emergency medical, that, that kind of thing. Break it down so you know that everything's got, you know, money sitting there waiting for you should you need it. One of the best things you can do is if you do have a car payment, when you get through paying that car off, don't stop. 
unless you've got other bills, other debts, consumer debts that you need to pay off, keep making that car payment into your savings account so that the next time you need a car, you've got a chunk of money stashed up in cash to go toward it. The nicest goal would be to just be able to say, I've got so much money sitting here. I've got this car. I've paid it off, but it's been like four years since I paid it off. I've accumulated enough cash in the bank to go out and pay cash for my next vehicle. Now, I personally don't want to buy another new, new car. I'd rather go down and find myself a good used car that's just maybe a year old with somebody else has paid the big depreciation already and then go from there with it. Southeastern and Gainesville is a wonderful people to deal with. You know, and, and a car that's just a year old, low miles on it most of the time, wonderful people, you know, to work with on that. Um, anybody else? I don't want to keep it too late. All right. Well, go home and work on those. That's your homework for this week is to go work on this and come up with your new, wonderful, easy-to-live-with budget. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.